Welcome travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your not-so-humble guides on the quest for RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. On our show, we feature diverse tabletop RPG systems, demonstrating them through actual plays and breaking down the rules to provide you with tips, tools, and techniques to help you navigate them. We also love bringing the content creators behind these games into the studio to give you a peek behind the curtain with relevant and insightful interviews. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world or system you're playing. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, diverse NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Welcome, travelers. This is Tabletop Journeys, and we are returning to Star Trek Preservations. This is Season 2. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Our cast is with us, uh, and I'm going to take a brief moment to go around the horn, let the cast introduce themselves. I'm going to go into a brief recap of Season 1, as well as a recap of the final episode of Season 1, because we left on a cliffhanger. And then we're going to jump right into the game. I'm going to go right to the commanding officer of our hero ship, the Delamas Christian. Joe, kindly introduce yourself and your character. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Joe Harney, and I am playing Commander Sabian Tobor, a Trill, who is the commanding officer of the USS Delamus Christian, a Saber-class Federation starship. And on to our XO. Hey, I'm Adam Scaramella, and I'm playing Ocean Chilbrazer, the Andorian first officer on the Delamus Christian. And our chief engineer. I'm David Rideout. I'm playing... Lieutenant Avidian Tanari, the Chief Engineer of the Dolomus Christian. Excellent. And security. Hi, I'm Glenn Myers, one of the hosts of Tabletop Journeys, and I play Lieutenant Najar, Camdril Najar, to be specific, a half-human, half-betazoid Chief of Security for the Dolomus Christian. And I am Liwanika, one of the other hosts of Tabletop Journeys. I am a playing in this game as so many characters it's not even funny but i am the gm for this event uh helping to shepherd these grand adventures by our players uh and their uh erstwhile adventures welcome everybody thanks again uh happy to be back for season two of star trek preservations um i absolutely love this game i've gone on at length in so many episodes i won't bore our audience to death with how much i love sta but before i do the recap i did want to talk about a couple things that we're going to be doing in season two that are mildly different than we did in season one 
some feedback that we got from audience members and from cast members throughout the event throughout season one was that the stakes felt a little less the game felt like it was at sometimes a little easier than some situations felt like they should be narratively they were good but the die roll seemed to always roll a little easier than we would have anticipated. I took that feedback to heart. Josh and I have been tossing around how do we fix that, have sought out a lot of extra kind of assistance through various boards, Star Trek Adventures, thank you uh, everyone there, as well as just contacts within the STA and 2D20 game space. And one of those individuals is Al Spader, a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures and a great friend of the show. He's given us a number of hints and techniques over the course of the year. And during a conversation that we just recorded for something else we're doing with Tabletop Journeys, I came across some really interesting things. One of those is complication ranges. One of the things that I had missed in my reading of uh, the Star Trek Adventures rules is when you set a task difficulty, the complication range can and often changes such that if you're dealing with a, say, task difficulty of three, the complication range is actually 18 to 20. Four, 16 to 20, or, or so on. That's an interesting rule that I was completely not aware of and we had not been utilizing. Some of the comments over the course of the year that I had been invited was, if you use scene trades, that can make things a little more challenging without being overly. And so while we had used scene trades because we didn't necessarily increase complications, it ended up not working out exactly the way it might have. So one of the things we'll be doing is utilizing that. I don't know if I'll be using it in every single circumstance, but I will certainly telegraph when that is going to be the case versus not. Josh intends to do the same. That way you'll be aware of those in the, the times when increased complication ranges become a thing. The great thing about the system and the complication range is that the increased decrease of complication range is not necessarily tied to the difficulty of the task so you can have a really low difficulty task that has a high complication range or a difficulty five task that's just the standard and that's up to the gm to set to his preference i don't want any of the audience to think that because it's a difficulty three it must be an 18 to 20 complication range those are two independent levers that the gm can use to set uh, and modify the encounter Absolutely. That was my point about I will let you know when it's going to take place versus not. Uh, that way, the narrative will determine whether that complication range changes up or down. But there's some guidance as far as if you're going to change that range, here's the some an option. So that's where I was where that was leaning. Thank you for that clarification. One of the beauties of a, a relatively new game, I personally have only been playing for a little over a year at this point and running it for a little over a year, is that you learn things as you go. And this is one of those things that we've learned throughout season one and we're going to implement in season two. Always forward, right? <laughs> Onto the stars. With that, we're going to go into a quick recap. Season one started with our pilot episode where our crew went through Kobayashi Maru style test holodeck simulation where they were involved with some very secretive plots based on the conspiracy episode of season one Star Trek The Next Generation. They met at the time Commandant Pritchard, who basically had been behind the scenes through their academy years steering their various careers and positioning them. But after that, they went out 
two years later, they come back. They're assigned to the Dalamas Christian. That is assigned to Aslan Station, a new station that's being constructed. While it's still under construction, now under the auspices of Commandant Pritchard, who very quickly received a promotion to Commodore Pritchard. So he's in charge of this region of space and Federation and the Dalamas Christian is the assigned ship to this station. The Saber class, for those who aren't in the know, it's a relatively small ship. Crews usually in the 40 range. It's about 10 decks. One of those decks is not even habitable per se. It's just there. But the Dilemma's Christian is an older ship that is not stock out of the shipyards. It has some special bells and whistles. We'll get into that, or you can go back and listen to some of the older episodes where we talk about the ship and some of the things it has at its disposal. There are some really key and nice shuttles that do things that are not common or work in ways that are not necessarily common as well. Throughout the course of the season, this group has done a number of adventures where, or, and, and been in a number of missions where they have met uh, species and planets and people who are local to Aslan Station to help them and bridge things. They had a wonderful mission where they helped a species come back from near nothing, where they had a colony ship that birthed millions of new lives on a planet in a way that was safe and didn't harm any other society. Received some accommodations, some promotions. The original crew split over two ships, another ship assigned to the region. The Michael Collins has some of the original crew there. This, the rest of the crew got more, got promotions, some position changes for them as they settled into their roles on the Dilamas Christian. They had an exciting and dangerous adventure where they dealt with the Breen and some space shenanigans out in Breen territory. And that, in addition to several episodes, which are just standard Star Trek fare, exploration, dealing with weird, nearly all-powerful aliens and the things they do to space and how to solve these kind of scientific and moral dilemmas. These are all things that have happened during season one. But we come to the end of season one with distress call from an ally and some would say friend of uh, the crew, Damon Brazig, who is being attacked and being hunted. The Dalamas Christian races to his rescue. They find that he's already been caught. He's in significant jeopardy. There is a belief that these might be those very same conspiracy aliens. Nothing proven just yet, but things are certainly looking that way. And in the final closing moments of season one, Klingons have beamed to the Dalamas Christian under some form of pseudo-truce or stay of arms. They didn't follow the rules. And as we close the episode, our security chief open fire on the uh, Klingons that had arrived in transporter room two. If they're supposed to send three and they send 15, something's wrong. I know that's exaggerated numbers. I think, I think it was five, but yeah. But at any rate, that's where we ended. The That's where we ended season one. Uh, a little mic drop moment. Oh, did I mention the fact that there's an attempt to take Damon Brazig's life? There are two Klingon vessels in the area, the Dalamas Christian, and Damon Brazig's vessel has been captured by the enemy. So, we are in a very a dangerous situation. On my notes, yep. so I have the, we had the life signs on one of the birds of prey, had five life signs, and those were the five that transported over and jumped in, hijacked our beam. 
so there's still one Klingon ship that's crewed. That is correct. To recap for our audience, the players can see that we have nine threat. We have four momentum at this stage. There are five Klingons that are in the tra- that are on the transporter pad. Lieutenant Najir, and I believe you had one security officer with you. Is that correct? At least two. Uh, Again, nine threat, four momentum. There are three security personnel in the transporter room and a transporter chief. There are five Klingons, and they are all armed with handheld disruptors, as well as they, they of course, have uh, the cog uh, daggers as well. And once the suspicions of what these Klingons really were... We're out, just as a reminder. Najar had all of the security personnel set their weapons to maximum stun for that species. Not Klingons, but the phaser-resistant things we... Najar is positive are inside. Yeah, mechanically, that means everything should probably be set to piercing for the armor for the resistance penetration as a quality for the phasers. And now, Star Trek Preservations... The Souls of Tethys, Part 2. Glenn... Your attack was successful, and for the audience, we had a little bit of a weird thing happen with our recording, so we're going to narrate through this piece. The attack was successful. It was wide burst. I'll let Glenn describe what happened with his first shot. So as the five Klingons, as opposed to two that were expected, appeared on the transporter pad, clearly indicating that they that they, they were trying to pull a fast one on us. Uh, Najar's super amped up for any threats to his ship. It's his first tour as, cu- as security chief, and he may have been a little quick on the trigger finger, but when five showed instead of two, he pulled the trigger. Excellent. Uh, and that wow. first blast, he affected them all, but their resistance kept them standing but dazed and hold. Yep. Yeah, so as that fire went out on wide angle... It hit all five of the attackers or the boarders, the these Klingons on the transporter pad because they were grouped together. The with that attack, enough damage was done, which normally would have caused stress, a significant amount of threat. In fact, all of it was spent in an effort to avoid the injury, leaving all five assailants viable for attack. At that point, Lieutenant Najar took the momentum and fired a second shot in a rapid action to go ahead and handle this threat. And my second blast was as successful as the first one. Najar is pretty, a pretty good shot and was able to again affect all five with enough stress to drop them. And since there was no threat left to save them this time, they all fell down. Excellent. As the assailants hit the transporter pad violently, we shift the scene we're still within the same technical scene this is the attack scene to the bridge where commander tobor 
then listening over the open mic in the uh, the gunfire that goes on orders commander chill who's at the tactical station uh, using the direct action to fire f- a full photon torpedo spread at the remain that the remaining viable klingon bird of prey full spread maximum yield and that is where we come back, and we are now. Ooh, pardon me. Because yep. you, and, okay, and, Lee. Yep, there we go. That's where we are now, and we are about to resolve this full photon torpedo spread attack, and take it away, players. Very good. Since I am assisting through the direct task. Not only does my advisor talent come into play, but I'm going to use my one of my newer talents from the player's guide, voice of authority. So your the tone of your voice and the clarity of your words convey that you are in control and that you are someone who should be listened to. When you assist someone and you use your presence to do, you may add two threat to treat your assistance die as though you rolled a one instead of rolling. Boom. Excellent. So I now have three threat. Okay. And uh, XO, you and I use also the remaining used momentum. Three. Yes, I use the remaining three momentum to pick up an extra two two d twenty. And when I rolled those, I received one critical threat, which was a natural one, um, and three other successes. One of which I tried to re-roll with a my cautious security talent. But that wasn't any any lower, so I got a total of five successes. Excellent. And then the two successes from me, and the Delamus Christian itself is going to assist with its weapon security rating of a 13, and she rolls a two, which is another critical success. So that is nine successes. Uh, remind our audience, uh, Joe, uh, in space combat, what the t- task difficulty to hit an enemy ship. Yes, the task uh, difficulty with a torpedo. Yep. So the torpedo uh, being a long-range weapon, um, which is what we were at, is a difficulty three. And because it is a long-range weapon, it has no additional increase to the modifier. So our difficulty was three. We rolled a nine. We generated six momentum all the way back up to full. Excellent. Since we did fire a full spread and we we fired, well, so we fired our torpedo and we did a full spread that adds two threat to the scene as we have escalated immensely. All right, and if you would resolve your damage rolls with your torpedo spread. Yes, however, we did since we did fire a full spread, we do get an extra challenge die to our normal torpedo rating of three plus our security. So, Adam, will be you'll be rolling eight challenge dice for the Dolomus Christian. Three plus my security, got it. Three plus the security of the ship. So it's uh, three, three plus seven okay. plus one for the spread. So we're rolling eight dice for the ship. And I don't think I can re-roll any of those. Actually, we have to burn one. Okay. So uh, far. Yeah, no, I rolled three plus four deltas. Seven, 
Seven damage, right? And then four deltas. That's actually perfect because of the spread effect and the high yield effect. We are going to, depending on the depending on the resistance of the bird of prey, which may be three or four, we'll spend two momentum for four piercing for this attack. The resistance on this particular bird of prey happens to be six. Oh, then we'll spend three. Okay. All right. So you are able to pierce through their resistance, and what is your total damage? So you, you remove the three momentum. So the seven damage hits through and causes a breach. However, because torpedoes are a high-yield weapon, they actually cause an additional breach each time they cause a breach. So it's two breaches. And then, because we fired a torpedo spread a, and rolled one or more deltas, the ship was hit an additional time. That takes four plus seven additional damage, causing a s second set of double breaches. Causing four total breaches, which should either destroy or disable this bird of prey. Looking at the system damage of the breaches, I get to roll a d20 to determine where those breaches are, correct? If you, depending on how you want to choose to do this, Lee, generally NPC ships just are like, they have a number of uh, damage slots equal to their scale. It's the hero ship that has the different systems that make the, it a little bit more durable. So you can choose how you want to do that. So in this particular case, your rapid action has disabled the ship. It is not fully uh, destroyed, but it is. Um, you see a number of systems uh, blow up as it's going. You see some cascading effects. Your sensor, your operations station on the bridge will say, Captain, the bird of prey has an imminent warp breach. They are moving all power to their transporters, and they are beaming. Emergency beam outs. All shields are up. Where are they beaming to? The other ship. Probably the empty Klingon bird of prey. Yep. <laughs> okay. With that, it is their turn. Back to the transporter room. So it's not their turn is to abandon ship, right? That's as far as the ones on that ship. They're abandoning ship. As far as the ones on the bird of prey. As far as the ones that were shot, what the people in the transporter room now see is the mouths of these Klingons open up and little creepy crawly bug like things come out of their mouths and scurry all over the deck. Two of them go over the back side of the transporter pad and slip down under the transporter pad. And three of them are spreading out. One of them is moving towards the door, and the other two are moving on Starfleet personnel. In fact, because you are at close range, the first one is attacking one of your security personnel and will not succeed with two rolls that fail. The second one will attack Lieutenant Najir. 
and has a complication. It actually does try to grab you. It basically does not get the opportunity to climb up your leg and it falls belly up directly in front of you and is on the ground. So you have, at this point, you have two that hid. You've got one that attacked and failed, one that attacked and prostrated itself in front of you, and you have a third one that is making for the exit. Najar taps his communications badge and orders a security field, maximum level security fields to fully enclose this transporter room. Switches the thumbs the switch on his phaser to fry this thing to a crispy critter and shoots the creepy little bug at his feet. That's his action. So Lee, if you want us to spend two momentum for an advantage for the security fields actually, we're happy to do what i was going to do was actually make this kind of mini extended task because i remember from the episode before uh, lieutenant Najir had drilled and set up defensive strategies so this task that he basically initiated in the last session is going to determine how fast this thing happens whether it's fast enough to capture all of them inside the room or one or two might get out will be based on this act, this activity that he actually took care of in the last session that we didn't do before. Also be following up with an announcement to the crew as well. But I'll let you, let, let's resolve this first. Oh, and he also makes sure the bridge is aware that, that five bugs are loose. He was surprised because he thought that they would be stunned for a moment with the Klingons, but apparently not. They're quick. The default for this task is security with the ship's computers and computer security. The task can have up to 13, two, two assistants. Any complications will either take away, take four points away from the work track or create complications like it's not fast enough. There are holes in the quote unquote net that you've set up to handle these matters, so on and so forth. Or it could just make other rolls more difficult depending on how many complications might be rolled. That said, I have my extended task already ready to go. The work track for this matter is 14. And you have a total of three attempts to get this done. If you'd care to make your first roll, I'll let Dave take care of the ship roll on this one. Okay. It makes sense that it makes sense that Lieutenant Tanari and Chilras assist. Najar is coordinating with engineering and ops, and the XO for personnel drills and such. So Sounds if uh, they can do that, and I'll take care of the ship then. All right. Sounds good. We'll do it that way, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, if you would make your roll first. What was the difficulty again, Lee? I'm sorry on this task is three because we're yeah. talking about exceptionally small things we are looking at a complication range that's going to be 19 and 20 okay so three successes 19 to 20 and and with three yeah. assistants two two plus the ship plus the ship yeah uh, this is sam i'll spend a momentum for an extra die and am i rolling against my stats yes that would be control security? Okay. Unless you're justifying it a different way, which I'm open nope, I like to. That. But 
the typical would be control security. So I have four successes. One is a critical success. Excellent. All right. The ship rolls a six for another success. For five. Ooh. I rolled a 10. It bounced off a 1. Well, still that's 6, right? Yeah. No, I, yes, it is. But it... All right. And for Tenari's assist, I assume I can roll Daring Engineering? Yes. Since this is an emergency situation. I rolled a 9, so that's a success. 7. Absolutely. So, 7 total successes out of 3. That would be 4 momentum, if I'm doing my math correctly. Last time I checked. Excellent. Now you would uh, roll your work on there. Yep, two plus your security rating, Glenn. Seven dice, I believe. Seven, seven, seven. Okay, I'll do four and three. Does he want to spend the momentum for the piercing? No, we'll do that after. You get to. You have the option to do that afterwards. There's so also no, There's also no resistance. I've got a oh, five, a six, and two fours on the first roll. Five, six, and two fours. Okay. And then a five, six, and a four on the second one. All right. So you currently have five delta successes right now and three blanks. So you probably want to spend one momentum to reroll. All right. One momentum for three on the reroll. One momentum, Lee. Uh, which scores another five, but with two threes. Okay, but that since there's a... How many total work were there, Lee? Fourteen. Yeah, it's not going to matter. That gets us five successes for a breakthrough. All right, so you nice. set up the net. It is there. I am, however, going to spend two... Actually, I think that's worthy of three threat because of what they are, and one of them got out through the through the room before the net went up. So, uh, your internal sensors do is one of these things that did not get contained, and it is now in very tight quarters moving within the deck, which is pretty hard to pinpoint due to the nature of... Uh, the, just the ship. It's hard to pick it up. So it's not the one that went out the one. door into the, uh, the that was going for the door that got out. No, it was one of the no. ones that okay. went. It was some, one of the ones under the transporter pad down into the. Yep. Guts. Okay, so once we know, that's when I will chime in on the comms as well. Attention, all all crew members. We have a potential incursion event. All crew members are to remain in pairs of two. Epsilon protocol is in effect. I also give the command that all engineering personnel are to exit the Jeffries tubes. Excellent. As you say Epsilon protocol, anybody standing in front of a computer system notices something activate. All stations activate. And it looks as though this is a pre-programmed thing that none of you have ever seen before. At this point, the lighting in the ship in on all decks changes to a 
light blue purplish color. It's not dim. It doesn't make it hard to see. It's not bright. That makes it hard to see. But it just changed to that color. And the computer voice changes. And as opposed to that standard TNG era Major Barrett sounding computer voice, you get this voice. Neural Parasite Protocols Engaged. Did you know you could have been listening to this episode two days ago? That's right, because early access to our episodes is only one of the benefits that we offer to our Patreon subscribers. You can get early access to every show, exclusive content, and the opportunity to throw dice with your favorite hosts every month. Right now, we're running a membership drive through the end of November for our first anniversary. If we reach 20 subscribers by that date, we will start a regular live show. And when we get to 25 subscribers, we're going to open our tables for a second Patreon-exclusive game. So if the actual play episodes aren't your thing, you can still join your hosts on the download. For more details, go check www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. And thank you for enjoying the show. You will notice from your stations on the bridge that coded subspace pinpoint messages are sent out from your ship automated uncontrolled by anybody on bridge a secondary program does show up at the captain's station at the exo station and at the engineering station the second protocol for the engineer shows sections of the ship that are isolated and can be isolated and it gives you a button to press that will destroy these creatures unfortunately it will take out any living life form that is not in those contained areas the bridge is one the med bay is another engineering is a third any personnel not in those sections would not survive this protocol. You have one of those buttons. XO, you have one of those buttons. And you see the similar thing. And CO, you have one of those buttons. It takes all three of you to hit the button before that engages. So we can stop what you're describing is, is you can we can stop a countdown. This is going to happen unless we stop it. Right. It, it, it's basically the three of you need to agree to murder anything that's not in those isolated areas to stop Correct. this incursion. You will also see a protocol that each of you has to touch a button that senses your individual readings and identifies you as not being possessed by one of these entities. Every once every minute if you do not it will engage your station as though you have been possessed or killed so it is automated in one way you actually hit a button to stop it until you all agree we need to do this all right so lee are we back in i know we're doing a narrative ish combat cycle but Again, I direct Commander Chilrezer to target the other Klingon ship and fire another spread. Okay. At 
this point, I think I have two, so I'm going to take uh, my the initiative. Okay. And they are going to move and cloak. You see him start to turn and drift into cloak and disappear from view. <sighs> As that is all happening, because you were obviously focused on what were the bigger threats you see the Damon's freighter start to back away as though it's getting ready to exit the system. It's trying to be yeah. into a position to... Okay, tractor beam then. <laughs> it is player's initiative. The captain is yep. called for a tractor beam. Glenn, you had a question? I think that back when Najar ordered the lockdown... That was predominantly, that was a verbal command, and the second part of what he was doing in that action was firing at the thing at his feet. Did we pass by that, or? We did pass by, that is my bad. Will you kindly roll your damage, your attack on the creature? It is in your range, it is at your feet. That would normally make it one easier, but it is a very small target, making it one harder, so the net is still two. Okay, I'll spend a threat to give you one back for an extra die. And this does not have a complication range, right? Nope. Two successes and one failure. You have successfully struck the, the creature, and you can go ahead and roll your damage. All right, and this is still nine, right? I believe so, yeah. All right, you're so I've got a one and a two, a five and a six. One, two, five, six. Two more ones. So three, four, five, six, seven, assuming it doesn't have resistance four because it's not in a body. I was talking about re-rolling the two damage dice, but I don't think I need to, or the three damage dice that didn't come up with anything, but I don't think I need to spend the momentum to do that. Okay. Go ahead. No. As you level your rifle, point it directly at your feet and tag this thing in its soft, gushy underbelly, this little alien pseudo-shrimp with pincers literally cooks you see it you see your beam hit it it burns a little it starts to curl up almost in a pill bugs type type fashion its pincers clasp frantically and this sound or this intense high-pitched squealing sound as it burns up and leaves like this melted semi-gooey burnt nasty smelling edifice on the ground at your feet at least it didn't explode like a hot dog in the microwave. Nice. Can I use the momentum for a quick action to fire at the one that is attacking my other security officer? It's on your security officer. You can feel free to fire, but you'd be hitting your security officer. Would I? It, their version shot. of attack is to crawl into their mouth. It failed to do that, but it's literally on his face. Okay, then... Can I spend a moment for quick action to grab that sucker and huck it towards the sealed door, trying to bounce it off of that maximum level security field? 
So the field is actually, the door is sealed. There's not actually an energy field there. The door itself is locked shut. If the door got manually opened, a field would appear there. Still throwing in that direction so that it's grouped with the other one that ran for the door, and the only one left in the room that we have to worry about is under the transporter pad. Correct. Okay. So a physical attack is going to be fitness and security, yeah? Yep. Uh, daring security, or this is technically not an attack, right? Because you're just trying to grapple it, right? So you could do fitness and security, if or daring. Throw, if you're trying to throw it and not do damage to it, 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 you could do either one. It wouldn't be damaging. It's just whether or not you're successful in getting it off your friend. Your your your, okay. your, your, uh, your security. Because essentially, one is a like a quote unquote creating an advantage to remove the parasite from your security officer and the other one would be doing an attack to it where leaving it in place unless you injured it and knocked it out of the scene but i want to make sure it doesn't get inside this guy so i'm going to go with detaching so in that instance if i'm just creating an advantage of getting it off my off of my friend do i spend too momentum for the advantage or do i roll to grab it and toss it you could do both if lee lets you we could do the advantage with the thing and then the attack is how hard you throw it against the wall okay to see if i do any damage I, to I, it I, I i think they're both actions because creating an advantage is an action correct well no you can create an advantage as an action or you can spend two momentum to just create an advantage gotcha all right so if you did that if you spend the two momentum then you can do both yes yeah okay so we'll spend two momentum to rip it off and throw it. And then it'd be daring my, security. What's my difficulty for injuring it in the throw? Technically, it would be an opposed roll. Okay. Though it would be at a it would be at a minus one difficulty because it's very much smaller than you. Okay. Might or you might have a plus one or even a plus two depending on how Lee rules like the size disparity and the strength disparity i would say you're at a plus one it is it's an armored uh arthropod like creature so its ability to get damaged by just hitting a wall is fairly limited depending on how it hits okay so i'm at three then oh, no plus yep. one okay and, and i probably need extra dice roll, it's just gonna go with its regular roll yeah i'm gonna use the i'm gonna add a threat to get one die it's an opposed test, It's so you need at least one to succeed, and then it's whoever has the highest, and you get a plus one, just automatically. I've got three Because you're successes. bigger than it. So you're four total. Okay, four successes total. It is trying to not land in a damaging fashion, so it's actually going to use control con as its method of defending <laughs> as navigating through the air twisting its little body <laughs> little fins stick out and start cutting the air to help it glide yeah so it, so it lands hard part on the wall and and feet on the ground kind of thing have in a three we have two. two successes two to four so glenn wins by two we generate two momentum and you do your unarmed damage which should be two plus security first one i have two ones a five and a six 
by another one and a six and a four. One's a five and two sixes. All right, so you're doing six stress to it and three deltas worth of knockdown. So it's going to be prone no matter what. But whether or not it suffered enough to be injured and taken out. It is out. It falls, it crumples, and you see some of that gooey ooze kind of leak out of multiple portions of it. When it hit the wall and it then fell, it was thrown with enough of enough force. You can see the cracks along its carapace. Lee, when I get there's a chance, I would like to try something as well. Absolutely. That was Najar's move. It does flow back last, to the Last enemies. bit of that scene is Najar saying, Cook him! To a security team. <laughs> Before it's your initiative, Dave, it is the enemies, unless there's a decision to purchase the initiative, to hold the initiative back. Uh, yes, I will spend, I'll spend two momentum for, to keep the initiative. Sounds good. Two is spent, and Dave. I'll order, direct Dave and the engineering team to engage the tractor beam on Damon Brazig's ship. The order came right. through to engage the tractor beam. I'm not sure if that was what you were going to do or not, so obviously you have some... wasn't what I had in mind, but I will follow orders. Okay. What's the role for tractor beams? That's an excellent question. I looked up a whole lot of combat stuff, but engaging tractor beams in combat is not one of the ones that I looked up. You're the one who had them try to flee, so... Trust me, do, do, do. it's not their original plan. Somebody blew some shit up before I was ready for it. Tractor beam. Control plus security. Assisted by the structure security of the ship. Difficulty two. And then I will be assisting because I'm directing the task. Okay. Then I will spend a momentum for an extra dice. Okay. There is a scene trait here. Damon Brazig's freighter actually has some countermeasures to being tractor. He's a Ferengi. The concept of pirates tractoring a freighter is something he's quite familiar with. So he kind of had some post-market upgrades done to resist tractor beams. So it is going to be one more difficult. And your complication range is 19 and 20 as well. Then let me spend three momentum for, four, for two extra dice. Just the one. Just the one? Okay. What I'm hearing there is that Damon Brazig's freighter has the trait slippery little sucker. <laughs> I, I was thinking more of beefy little sucker, but yeah. It's not fast. It's just hard to pull in. Really quick. On the whole trying to get into our mouths thing. That is one fat squirrel. We made sure that all security personnel were outfitted in phaser rifles and armored environmental suit. We all have a sealed helmet. I remembered hearing armored. I didn't hear environmental suit, so I missed that. I it would have been. I thought on the they were one and the same. No, they would be two different things because there is armor that is used, and then there are environmental suits. There would be two different types of. Fair enough. In the future, then, I think full environmental suits make more sense, just in case of breaches in a combat situation, to give you the best odds of survival. Yeah. Or at least a helmet where, with a face visor where you can't claw, crawl into it. It really depends on the threat, but what's important to note is an environmental suit is not armor, so it will not defend you, will not add resistance, whereas... It has one point, percent. But it won't do as much as, say, an, an armored getup. 
So Fair the faceplate would provide a scene trait to make that more difficult. But if it's a faceplate on an environmental suit, what's to say they don't breach this? They don't use threat, breach the suit, and then crawl in through the helmet, right? It could happen. It would just yeah. be an additional piece. So then, definitely not environmental suits. But does our version of Riot Gear come with a helmet and face shield? There would be a face shield. I just I've never seen it in Star Trek that it's sealed. So if that's something you all wanted to work with your engineering team to create because you're dealing with a specific type of threat, that would be awesome. That would be a great thing to work on throughout the season. Yeah, we'll talk to Tanari about what we can do to protect our mouths, our orifices between this attack and our next encounter with these things. We're back. Technology has been challenging today in this. The threat has been raised against Tabletop Journeys and the players of Star Trek Reservations, but we persevere. We will continue. As the tractor beam was set up, there was success, nearly a complication. However, that was re-rolled thanks to the talent of our commander. David Brazig's freighter was captured by the tractor beam. For their part, the, the uh, Klingons in charge of or running Damon Brazig's freighter attempted to break free of the Delamas Christian's control, revving their engines and trying to speed away. They came very close. The, the task difficulty based on the uh, capabilities of the Delamas Christian was six. The Klingon running Damon Brazig's ship was able to get five successes, unable to break free, making it very clear to the crew of the Delamas Christian that this freighter is capable of breaking this tractor beam simply by trying to fly away. Um, In fact, if not for the Delamas Christian's improved high-powered tractor beams, they would have broken free. So if anyone's looking in Utopia Planitia and is, wait, Saber-class tractor beam is only power four. That is correct, but our high-powered tractor beam brings it up to six. The talents you choose when you build and create your hero ships matter. This is one of those times where there are certain things the Delamas Christian was built for, and, and this success has paid off. With that, we have gone back to Lieutenant Tenari, and I will let him describe the actions he's about to enter. Tanari had previously ordered the engineering crew to exit the Jeffrey's tubes because we have one of the parasite aliens who have gotten outside of the security fields. And Tanari is preparing to open the EPS conduits in order to flood the local tubes with plasma in order to hopefully incapacitate or kill the parasite in order to prevent it from getting further into the ship. My part, I have this particular tech tactic has the potential to be very successful, but there are some threats. Essentially, any complications rolled will account for personnel who did not successfully exit the conduits in time in the Jeffrey's tube. There are two personnel, two second classes on board, who are actively doing their jobs in various places. So they are the ones that are in jeopardy. And we will roll challenge die to see how that resolves itself, should they not get out or there be a complication. Okay, all right. So I'm assuming this will be daring engineering. Yes. And increased complication range. Yep. All right, range. 
the increase range is going to be 19 and 20 on this particular one. All right. And more I'm because going... of the challenge with isolating the areas and such. All right. I'm going to spend a threat to get an extra dice. Okay. And then I would like to spend two momentum to get a fourth dice. Got it. I believe because I have the engineering crew, the difficulty rating should be dropped by one, correct? Yes. And then someone can also roll for the ship, correct? Yes. Okay. So my roll, first of all, I got a three and a four, so that's four successes, plus a six is five, and a 17 is not a success. So five successes from me. And who would like to roll for the ship? I can. So for the ship, I'm going to say engines engineering because it's flooding it with warp plasma sure so 11 or lower and that is a 14 just five successes no complications you have no complications your crew got out just in time and you have done the task your ops personnel indicates that there was a single small flare-up located a couple hundred feet away from the, the transporter room that is consistent with a small creature catching on fire and dissipating because it's plasma there's nothing left to confirm that is the life sign that we could previously detect gone there's no life sign in this in the tubes but they can't confirm that you got the thing you were after all they can confirm is there's a flare-up that is consistent with that thing you were shooting for okay Again, refresh my memory. The the were these that was this thing showing up on life signs uh, life sign detectors anyways? Yeah, you could generalize it, but you couldn't pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. Then I will order engineering personnel to team up with security personnel, assuming Najar agrees, and go through the conduits and see if they can find the remains. There wouldn't be remains. That's the one okay. challenge. Plasma is way too hot. <laughs> I can live with that. They can say something X big caught fire mm-hmm. in addition to the plasma. X big is no longer there at all. <laughs> and standing orders are right now. Anyone who goes into the Jeffrey's crew, no one goes alone. Fair enough. All right. And I will report to Najar. We believe we caught the one that got loose. Excellent. That's great. I still got a couple here trying to get us, though. There is an attempt to fire a weapon at your emitter, and no dice are being bought. From Brazig's ship? Yep. Okay. So it's going to be difficulty three because uh, they're trying to target a specific system. We have a critical success, a regular success, and then the ship itself, its security is zero. That was a 16. That will not hit. If I'd only, if I'd only rolled one, I would have had that critical success. Uh, they shoot. They do not hit the specific system. You can definitely tell that they are just mashing buttons trying to find a way out. Does anybody on the bridge have any specific combat experience in their background that they would ship combat experience in their background or training or a focus that they would be able to lean on? I've got starship strategies and tactics. Certainly. If you would be kind enough to go ahead and give me a roll based on that knowledge and that focus, your difficulty is only a two. 
it's basically to glean some information that might be helpful in how you handle this issue. Insight command? Sure. Alright, 14 or less. Two successes. It is very clear that these are not operating as seasoned Klingon warriors. Even in charge of another ship, they would not have tried to run first. They would have done one of two things. They would have fired to break the system, weaken the system, or taken some other kind of action to increase their odds of being able to get out first. So simply doing this lets you know that these are not combat veterans or tactical-minded folks. Despite whatever you may have seen, something else is running the show. So that is immeasurably clear to you at this time. It is at this point you receive a... Your comms person says, Captain, I have a recorded communication from Damon Brazig. One moment. Mr. Chizilver, disable those engines on that ship, please. Yes, sir. And that's what I'm going to be doing, so... Uh, Phaser, phasers only this time. Mm-hmm. Try to leave it... Try to leave it attached this time. <laughs> you, you take the joy out of everything, sir. But... And I say that with a straight face, and you're not sure if he's being sarcastic or not. So yeah, so I will target the the. We have a. So it'll be difficulty three to target the engines. Yep, and I'm going to use. I'm going to take three of those momentum to give myself two. An extra die. I believe that is five successes because they all match, and it's under the security not underneath the control that i'd be getting the equal to or your security rating okay so i'm going to use my cautious security to re-roll one of these 15s but i currently have are you currently succeeding yes all all dice let me roll for the ship in case it comes up as a complication and then you can choose to re-roll that one first doesn't say that I can roll re-roll someone else's, but okay. It, it's part of the task, yeah. Because okay. the assist is helping. Oh no, but okay. the ship gets a five, but that security is four, so it's only one additional okay. success. So that's six, it, right? My re-roll is a four, so I've got two criticals and two regulars, so that is a total of six. So seven with the ship. Yep. Five momentum. Uh, that gives you some instant spends because you are maxed and you have two two left over. Yes. Okay. And additionally, the phaser array has the quality versatile two. So anytime it succeeds in a task, it generates two bonus momentum as well. Okay. So we have four to spend right off the bat. I don't know how much resistance Damon Brazig shields are going to put up. They're going to put up three resistance. All right, so we'll spend two of those four extra bonus momentum to pierce through that resistance. And then, Adam, would you roll seven challenge dice for the phaser array? Certainly will. Let's see. I've got five successes with one delta. And I don't know what I can re-roll on that. I don't think I can. Not with my particular talents. One momentum to re-roll those two dice. 
three, actually, because I got a two on one of the discs. So then, All right, so, yeah, makes it even be, better. Adding one out, one delta to that, six and two deltas. So six damage pierced through the resistance. So it'll be a breach that should quote unquote damage the engines. And let's hear that recorded message, please. Uh, let's see. Coming through, sir. Damon's log. Stardate 56752.37. I hate these Federation things, but since I do so many contracts, I gotta do it their way. So, I'm picking up a new contract. It's outside of standard routes. It's a bit of an unusual request. My first officer really wanted me to make sure that we did this. Of course, said her beloved Damon, such profit, she just couldn't pass it up and had to give me this information. The least she could do. And uh, I took the deal. So, I allowed her, one, to take her leave. She went to Kentek 6, a colony near the shoals of Tethys. The sheer volume of latinum in the deal she was trying to work out should have been worth any extra dis- distance. Damon's Log! Stardate 56837.30 We arrived at the Kentex 6 colony a few days ago, but we've been unable to establish communications with the colony. Records are weird. Look, this is a civilian colony built to support a science station, an independent science station. I don't know what they really do here. All I know is they used a lot of really strange supplies. That's what we're bringing here. More importantly, there is an order for a ludicrous amount of tube tube grubs. I'm telling you, there are so many tube grubs that I've got in containers on board this ship. It was more than what they ordered for the celebration of Grand Nagus Rom's twins. When those girls were born, they didn't get as many tube grubs at that celebration. For the record, Grand Nagus did make sure that attendees got charged double anyway. They were twins after all. No profit like birthday profit. I swear I should be adding rules of acquisition. Starting 5681. Nope. Dang Federation things again. Let me try that again. Starting 56881.14. This colony has no life signs at all. My first officer says it's just the problems with the reflective nature of the shoal. Something's not right. There's a rule of acquisition let them touch your lobes, but never your latinum. Something's just not right. I remember reading a report from Tanari when we were getting our ship fixed. Uh, some weird way to fix things or program things so that strange energies and subspace distortions over this way uh, can be worked through to figure things out. I quietly had my engineer look at it. Rule of acquisition number 194. It's always good business to know about new customers before they walk in the door. We tried the trick. Tanari got it right. We were able to use our sensors. Coded with this log 
is the frequency necessary to get sensors to work right in this region. Over 200 colonists dead. Supplemental. I never learned to walk away from the Dabo wheel. I was wrong. Very wrong. Not all of the colonists were killed. Something far worse has happened to them. And my first officer was just one of those. There's a loud banging and clanging. You can hear this going on in, within the recording. And then all of a sudden, a the log actually has a, a viewable portion that shows up. And it's like one of those Blair Witch-style super close-ups showing a frantic Brazig. You can see that he's haggard and bruised the way you saw him when you were communicating earlier in this adventure. I don't have much time. I gotta finish this log. I gotta calibrate the transmission and send it to the Dilamas Christian. As soon as I get within proximity of my ship... Look, Tobor is never gonna forgive me if I don't give him the heads up on what's going on here. The only thing worse than getting to the Great Treasury broke is getting to the Great Treasury broke and with debt to a good friend. Damn this subspace is messing with this program. While the self-destruct is definitely an option, if I do that, I can't warn them. I can't warn anyone. I have to get word to the Dilamas Christian. I just have to. I gotta get this calculation. The whatever was taking a picture of him falls to the ground, skitters. He never finishes that sentence, and a pair of Klingons and his first officer yoke the daemon up, and you hear the first officer, stop him. You, Brazig, will come with us. And then there's a scuffle, and then you see a foot from one of the Klingons come down on the device that 